Welcome to the Female Physician Entrepreneurs Podcast. This podcast is actually a spin-off of a Facebook group. My name is Sharon McLaughlin. I created that Facebook group for female physicians so that they would have a place to come and learn about business, to network, and to grow. And we've done just that. So if you're interested, take a look at our show notes for our website, as well as a direct link to the Facebook group. This podcast is going to be about everything business. So let's listen along as we hear about tips to help grow our business. Before we get started, let me tell you about a digital marketing platform I've been using. It is where I host my website. So it has a website capability with very fast loading speed. It has a funnel builder. It has an e-commerce where I can sell my products. It has WordPress hosting, a chat builder where I can talk to customers, has a webinar platform, has an e-learning where I can do, create my courses. It has an app builder if you wanted to do a mobile app. It has a directory builder, has a booking app where people can book appointments with me, has an autoresponder where I can send out emails. It also has professional email creation, such as Sharon at Sharon Mac Wellness. It has social proof pop-ups when, where people buy. It pops up on your website or landing pages has the ability to do text messaging and telegram funnels, CRM, so you can keep track of your customers as they're on your website, a script generator, a magazine builder, a mock-up studio, 3D photo ability, video builder, a floating video, a video wrapper, video tags, video funnel builder, video hosting, and design resources so you could really bring your website to life. It also has a marketplace where you can sell your products to different people on the platform, as well as a web agency. So if you wanted to create a website agency, you can certainly do that. And they also have SEO reporting. You can try all of these tools for a dollar for 30 days. I'll put the link down below. Let's get on with our program for today. In today's episode, we speak to Dr. Latifa, who is a practicing gastroenterologist. She is also a money and mindset coach. She works with women physicians to help empower them through financial independence and breaking the cycle of living from paycheck to paycheck. She helps women transform their relationships with money so that they can live richly, spend well, and develop financial confidence. Her dream is that every woman physician will have choices within or outside of medicine. Hi, everybody. I am Dr. Latifat, aka Money Fit MD. I am a money and mindset coach. And I help women physicians, work with women physicians to stop financial overwhelm and help them get financially confident. So first of all, I want to say thank you, Sharon, for letting me in here. Um, it's been a great, 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 great being a part of this community. For today, I'm going to be talking to you guys about money and mindset. And why is that important? It is important because our money lives are obviously really important to us. And that's why we're all part of the female entrepreneurial group. And the other reason why it's important is because we all have this goal that we want to be good you know, parents, we want to be good moms, we want to be good physicians, we want to serve our community, we want to serve our world, right? But something happens over the course of our medical training where we all start to actually burn out over time. And one thing that we're trying to get to the, to the other side of really now is physician burnout. So part of being financially independent is really to help us prevent burnout, decrease burnout so that we can actually practice medicine however we choose to so that we can have a say in how our days are planned. We can have a say in how our family's outcomes look like. So what I want to talk about today is going to be money and mindset in general. And I want to focus more on two things. One is the power of your money story. Hi, Far. The power of our money story. And number two is just talking about our relationship with money and relationship with ourselves. 
a couple of, I believe a week and a half or so ago, I posted on the group and there were some questions that I do want to address as well today. But to start, I want to talk first about our money story. So what do I mean by money story? What exactly is our money story? The way I think about it is picture someone was reading an autobiography of you, of your life, which tells us about where you've been, who you are, what you do. Um, the same goes for our money story, where we have all those stories and all those things we've told ourselves so many times that we always assume that it's a fact of life. And it evolves over time. It follows us throughout our childhood. And as we go through, you know, elementary school, college, med school, residency, and who we are as adults. And what happens is that we have thoughts about money. We have thoughts about life that sometimes produce the results that we want and other times may not be serving us well. So I'll give you an example. I grew up in a family where I had two parents and one of them had more money than the other. And what happens is that we start to identify certain things in our lives. And most times it's actually not consciously thought. It's things that we see. It's things that we hear. It's things that we actually are just passing by. And subconsciously, we sort of like take that into our lives and becomes part of our stories and how we view the world, how we view money. And then we turn into these adults that have these ideas and thoughts about money. And um, so I'll give you an example. One of the ones that I hear a lot about in the physician community is things like money is hard, right? Money is complicated. It's hard to do, uh, organize my own finances. I don't know about investments. I don't know about stuff. It's so hard. This stuff is like a different language that I can never understand, right? I hear that a lot. I also hear things like the scarcity mindset, which is money is limited. I cannot afford this. Um, I can only make so much as a physician. I can only make so much as a human. So those are all parts of the stories that we've been getting on and on over our lives. And those actually affect who we become. And what I try to remind people is we may not realize it because the difference between this is the fact that we think about it so much, we hear it about it so much that we start to assume it's the only truth possible. Right. So if you're someone who money was maybe a little harder when you were growing up, you may think that being rich is bad right? Money is evil. And I hear that a lot too. Money is the root of all evil, right? The question you have to ask yourself is how are those thoughts working out for you? Are those thoughts creating the results that you see in your life, that you want in your life, right? And I think it's very powerful when we as physicians start to recognize the power of our choice. The fact that these things are information that we have accepted and we actually have the power to accept them or not accept them, right? So for example, in my life, that was, uh, there were seasons in my life where scarcity mindset was huge. And the thing about scarcity mindset is that it's not just about hoarding money. It's about things like, oh, I don't want to, I don't, I'm, a, I'm so afraid of losing money that I'm not going to invest money because I don't ever want to lose it, right? Or money is so hard, I don't want to give it to anybody. Those are all scarcity mindset. And what I, the interesting one that I talk to people about is overspending can also be a sign of scarcity, right? When you're like, okay, I want to buy something from the mall and I need like 10 of this pink jacket. There's a scarcity mindset that goes into it where you're thinking that it's almost like it's gonna finish. So when you actually understand that scarcity mindset by itself is something that can make you oversave, it can also make you overspend. And I find that that becomes liberating because most times when people think about money coaching or needing money coaching, we think about people that don't have money. They're like, oh yeah, maybe I'm bad with money and that's why I need a coach. No, sometimes it's not because you're bad with money. It's just because you have thoughts about money that's showing up in your life in ways that you're seeing it. So I'll give you an example of a client that I had. 
I had, um, this was, it's actually a good one. So I had this lady, she's a primary care physician in, um, in New York. I'm not going to mention her name, of course, but, um, she, when I first met her, what she told me was that she had student loans and she was, she hated her student loans, but there was no way possible for her to pay it off because she's just a primary care physician, which I hear that a lot, which is again, a limiting belief. It's not a truth. You never just a primary care physician. Um, but when I met her, that was her concern. I can never pay my student loans off. The only way I can pay it off is by winning the lottery or someone can just come pay it off for me, right? But when we started working on her thoughts, we realized that that was what was not serving her. So when she actually started changing and believing that maybe she could pay off the debt herself, Maybe she could actually take care of this herself. It's really interesting how that thought made her feel empowered. And when she was empowered, it was so crazy. She was so excited that she would message me during the week between our sessions because she was asking her accountant all this question. And she was thinking about how she was going to make more money because she finally understood the fact that money was not limited and she could make money. Right. And there's something like an aha moment that happens in there that makes you go from, oh, maybe I actually don't need to win the lottery and maybe I can be my own lottery. Maybe I can pay off my debt myself. And now she has a plan to pay off her debt in about eight years by herself. No increase in salary yet, right? And she is um, going to be doing some investment and other things. But my point is we need to understand the power of our money story, understand where we're coming from, who we are. It's not bad or good. It's just a fact. And you have the power, you have the option of either accepting it or releasing it, depending on the results that it's creating for you. In fact, um, I have a, so I coach women physicians, any woman physician, but I have a webinar coming up this Friday that is specifically only for primary care doctors and pediatric, pediatricians. I've gotten an email from our peds endocrinologists. I said, well, we're poor too, but yes. So adult medicine or pediatrics. And what the goal is to really just start to help people learn about how to transform their money mindset, how to take the framework that I use for solving every money problem, really, and bringing that into their life and using that as a way of transforming their process, their mindset, right? Because there's a lot of truth, right, about how primary care doctors and pediatricians are treated. However, there's also some limiting beliefs that I think that we can harness and convert into things that can help us empower ourselves so that we can start to own our money life and we can start to be successful. So your money story is important. Find out those thoughts, those beliefs that you have about your finances. Are they serving you? Are they creating the results that you want? If the answer is no, then dump them. You can actually, and I think that's something that we need to understand, that we have the power to release those thoughts. We are adults. We have the ability to choose, right? And the thing is that we don't become perfect by one trial, right? The same way we had to learn to be in medicine. Hello. Uh, we've been in medicine for so long, and we had to learn how to do lumbar punctures and colonoscopies and all this other stuff. It takes practice, but the more you practice it, the better you can get. But the bottom line is we have a choice to take it, or leave it and create the story that we want, okay? So that's the number one point I wanna to talk to you guys about today. Number two is my favorite part, which is relationship. All right, so I love relationship, and I know we probably all do too, right? And relationship can be with others, can be with things, can be with money, can be with self. So why is relationship important in money? Relationship is important because how we treat ourselves, how we feel about ourselves, is going to show up in how we see our money and the relationship we have with our finances, okay? So I'll give you an example. I actually had um, a client that I can think about right now who, um, primary care physician as well, 
actually comes from a family of they have a lot of resources and finances. So when she reached out to me, her point was money is actually not a problem, but I know I have lots of limiting beliefs about money. So we started working on it. And what I found was that she wanted to talk to me about money, but the number one problem was how she viewed herself. No one can love you the way you're going to love yourself, right? When we're looking for things that are external to ourselves, we're looking to our finances, we're looking to things, we're looking to people, to spouses, to love us. And there's nothing with them loving us, but no one can love you the way you can love yourself. Like there's no one that's known you for as long as you've known yourself. You've known yourself since you were like in utero, right? No one. You have that personal connection. No one can love you as deeply as limitless. And the reason why this is important is when we realize our worth, when we realize our value, when we realize that we're beautiful, we're fantastic, right? We are amazing. We have value. We're a gift to the world. When we realize that, it affects how we relate to money. It affects the fact that we're not looking to money to buy us love. I mean, nothing wrong with a nice purse. I mean, I just got myself a really nice mattress, by the way. So good. So good. So nothing wrong with all that stuff. But the bottom line is we are not looking for things that are external of us to satisfy us in a deeper place. I will uh, tell you that the person that I spoke with, what I, the client that I was talking to you guys about, what we ended up doing or what she ended up doing is we had an exercise where I had her write herself a love letter. I know. You're like, but oh, you're a money coach. What are you talking about? Yes. I care about you and your money is just a reflection of you, right? I want us to be so well from the inside that it now shows up outside. And then money falls into line. Relationships outside of you fall into line. Your relationship with your spouse gets better, with your kids better, but most importantly, your relationship with yourself gets better, right? So I had her write herself a love letter to herself and just explain to herself what she sees in herself, what she values in herself. And honestly, she emailed me a couple of days ago and said that was the best exercise she's ever done because no one can complete you. No amount of money can complete you, right? But the point is that when you're good from the inside out, now it makes it easier for you to spend money. It makes it easier for you to see money as a tool that is not your self-worth, that is not your value. The amount of money doesn't correlate into the, how amazing you are. Because you are amazing, period. That's a fact, right? That's regardless of what kind of work you do, what your subspecialty is, what your income is, what your salary is. You are amazing. And the moment we start to understand that, there is something that happens from the inside where now we're like, oh, I'm good. Now I can use money. I can lose money. I can make money. And it's just a tool. And that's why I love what I do. It's the ability that when we actually get to the deep root of the problem, we realize that money is easy. Money is not hard. We are enough. We are beautiful. We are perfectly imperfect, right? And also to remember that life is not better here nor there. No matter how, I mean, there's a certain amount of money that you do want to make, of course, to make, to be able to take care of your finances, your debt, your loan, and all that good stuff. But outside of that, whether your net worth is $5 billion or $500,000, if you're not good now, you're not going to be good then. So make sure you work on what's inside. And then we can now have a better relationship and use money the way it should be used. All right. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go to the questions that people texted a couple of days ago. I'm on my, I have to log into my laptop. So the first question they asked was stock market versus real estate. So that's a question that comes up a lot. And what I tell people is that it depends on what your goals are. It depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If you are trying to make a lot of money in the short term, there are certain things that may serve you better. Or if you're looking into more long term, there are certain things that's going to be more serving for you. The important thing that I remind people, it doesn't have to be one or the other. I'm a big fan of diversifying 
And when I say diversifying, that's diversifying, whether it's in within stocks of things like index funds or whether it's that's a real estate. So, for example, I personally, I am invested in real estate and I'm also invested in stock. But even within real estate, there are different options, right? There is a passive, there is an active where you're passively investing in, say, a syndication deal where you have a group of people fund money together and buy large apartment complexes or commercial properties versus whether you actively want to be a landlord yourself. And right now we are focusing on being a landlord ourselves with buying cash flowing long-term properties. However, next year we're going to be buying short-term properties that we can use for things like Airbnb. So the important factor is that it doesn't have to be either or. You could do both. You don't have to choose one. And what I also recognize is that sometimes we're going back and forth so much that we have analysis paralysis. And honestly, just choose one and do it. It's just as simple as that, right? You can do one today and next year you can do something else. You're not stuck with whatever decision you make today. So if you think you're ready to invest in the stock market, do it now. However, if you think next year that you want to invest in real estate, do it then. But general, big picture, I go for and stock market and real estate and diversifying even within those categories. And I'm seeing all of you guys waving and saying hi. Keep saying hi. <laughs> all right. So the next question is student loans versus investing. So I get that question quite a bit as well. And I tell people this, first of all, with student loan, it's deciding whether you're going to be qualifying for any federal assisted sort of programs or loan forgiveness programs. That's very different. But if you're someone that has private loans, it's always a question of should I pay it off now or should I invest my money? First of all is what interest rates do you have? If your interest rate is over 5% and you have private, you should be refinancing right? Because rates are super low right now. There's no reason why you should not be able to get less than 5%. But once you start getting under the less in the less than 5% category, that's where that decision now starts to come up. Should I invest versus should I pay off my student loan? So I'll give you a disclaimer. I chose to pay off my student loans. And the reason why I did that was I think I was not as savvy as I am today. If I was to make that decision again, I probably would not pay off my student loan so quickly. However, it's not wrong, right? The goal is you want to try and improve your net worth. And that happens more when you buy assets, right? When you grow your investments. However, if you want to pay your student loans, that's also good. Someone just said, what interest rate? So I've seen rates as low as 2%, 1 point something percent, depending on whether you want to do a fixed versus variable. Keep in mind, there is no downside to refinancing your student loans like 5 million times. So if you have not refinanced in a couple of months, you can go back and check what the rates are. Usually they do a soft pull on your credit so it doesn't affect your credit score at the, for most companies. Once they do the soft pull on it, they tell you what the rates are. And if it's significantly lower than what you're doing right now, then absolutely refinance. But once you start getting to less than 5%, less than 3%, honestly, from a mathematical perspective, it makes more sense to invest. However, there's a psychological part to money. And you could say, well, I really don't want to bother about my student loans. I just want it done. That's okay as well. You can pay off your student loans. But Again, percentage matters. Next question is, how do you decide how much to invest in a venture? I'm really risk averse and that has limited me. By the way, I'm looking at my computer. I don't have crossed eyes. Um, so this one is interesting because this goes back to the point that I made about the risk aversion, about scarcity mindset, right? Because most things we do in life is based on our feelings. A lot of times we don't even realize the thoughts behind it. So when someone tells me that I feel fear about investing, 
I try to get to the bottom of why do they have the feelings that they're having because it's usually based on the thought they're thinking. So for someone that's saying I'm really risk averse and that has limited me, number one is they already are self-aware. They're aware that it is limiting them. And that's what scarcity does, right? When we're so afraid of losing money, what happens then is we don't take that money and we don't invest it. And when we don't invest our money, meaning that it's sitting down in a checking account, God forbid, or a savings account in 2020 with the low rates, um, it's depreciating really because over time, every single year, you have to remember that inflation is going on, right? 2% per year, averagely. So what happens is that when we're feeling fear about investing, it's usually because, number one, it may be because we're afraid of losing money. But what we don't understand is our thoughts create our feelings, which creates our actions, and that leads to our results. So when we are afraid of losing money, we don't invest our money, and of course we lose money, right? But if you're someone that you're like, okay, I'm going to be objective. Is this a good deal or not? I'm going to learn about whatever this investment venture is. Does it truly make sense? Is it something that I think I want to invest in? If the answer is yes, but you still feel in fear, then you need to ask yourself, what are you thinking that's making you afraid? Because right there, that thought is what you need to take and also understand and then potentially work on in order to help you get over the fear of investing in whatever it is you want to invest in. But I also tell people that it's important for you to make sure that you get your household under um, sort of like taken care of. So meaning like your emergency fund. It's 2020. So making sure you have at least six months, I think six months is good to be honest. More than that, completely dependent on what your family dynamics are, whether you're single or multiple source income family. But for most families, six months, once it's over 12 months, then usually there's a fear component that may not be very, very logical. So that's something that you need to think about. But I always tell people, make sure that your emergency funds are okay. And their emergency funds, think about how much it would take for you to earn an income, right? How much, how long would it take for me? If I lost my job, how long would it take for me to get another job? Will it be six months? Would it be three months? That gives you an idea of what you want covered. But once you have your emergency funds covered and maybe a little bit of breathing room in terms of savings, depending on what goals you are, most of the other money you have should really be working for you. If it's not working for you, then you are losing money. And again, I see why do you feel fear of investing? It's really because of that thought. So find that thought. Work on it, understanding that you have a choice of whether you hold on to it or not. But understand that when we're so scarcity mindseted that we're afraid to invest, we actually are losing money. So I see someone say, I feel that real estate is a lot of work. So every time I see a limiting belief, I'm going to go like, ah. So I feel like real estate is a lot of work. Ah. And that stops me from going in that direction. How do I address it? <laughs> so first of all, I'm glad you've addressed that you're, this is something that you can change. And what does a lot of work mean, right? Beauty is in the heights of the builder. That's very, very subjective. I will tell you that we have real estate properties here in, in California, and we also have in a different state that we have property manager managing for us. Even the ones that we have locally, I've never fixed a toilet before. I've never been called in the middle of the night. And we were called recently, I think around like 6 p.m., about something like a plumbing issue. We didn't even go see it. We just called our guys to go check it out and fix it. It looked at it, took pictures, sent us the bill. We thought it was reasonable and we paid for it. Simple, right? So a lot of this is fear and it can't be exaggerated. Is there work in it? Absolutely. There is work, especially if you're doing ends on real estate. However, there are certain structures you can put in place to decrease the amount of work it is, to decrease the amount of burden it is. And also we are physicians. That's a lot of work and we still do it anyway, right? 
So it's making sure you ask yourself, how does this help you in your long-term goals? How does this help you with what you're trying to achieve? It is really helping you and doing more good than harm that it's worth it. But again, it's not for everybody. Active real estate is not for everybody. You can always do passive by investing in a syndicate or syndication deal. Um, but property managers, it's a matter of finding the right team. And there are lots of courses out there that can help you. There are at least, there are many. And I know there are many people in this space. I know there are savvy docs, there's semi-retired MD. There is, um, I can tag them later. But there are so many people here that are doing that work and teaching our physician communities how to do this. So there's no reason why you cannot do it if you want to do it. But making sure, I have stopped being an MD now. What's that? I have stopped being an MD now. You don't want to be an MD anymore? <laughs> All right. So um, the next one that I have here is child care. Oh, my goodness. So child care is... Um, Having kids is a gift, but they cost a crap load of money. And I get it, right? But whenever I coach people about money, I preach about value-based expenses, value-based costs. And I'll give you an example of that. I took, I don't like, well, I drink coffee, but I wasn't enjoying Starbucks. I cut out $300 per month of Starbucks. I pay my coach good money. And if she's watching, I want her to know that she's amazing. I love her so much. And I'm actually considering paying her more because she's giving me that much value. So the important thing is that it's good to realize that you have to put your money where your value is. So when it comes to childcare, for me, it's expensive. However, it's one of our top three highest expense. But I would rather pay for my nanny than, I'd rather actually eat ramen than let go of my nanny. So value-based spending, put your money where your value is. And remember that your cash flow, what's coming in, right? Minus what's going out. Look at that calculation and find out how you can grow that money, how you can grow that cash flow, because that really helps you take your money and put it into things that you care about. Oh, you're a career coach right now. Perfect. Fantastic. Awesome. So yes, whether you're an MD, whether you're a coach, you're smart, you went through med school, you survived residency, you can do anything. You can be anything. It's just a matter of, are you, do you want to? Number one. Number two is what's stopping you. If it's your thoughts, then that's an easy fix. We can work on that by capturing that thought getting to the bottom of it and really finding out, is this true or not? Is it true or not, right? If it's hard, you can still do it, but it's actually not that hard. You can do it. I believe in you, all right? So the next question is, what is really holding me back when it comes to our money mindset? So that's a great question. What is holding us back? Like I talked about earlier, our thoughts definitely is what creates our results that we're seeing. So when someone tells me that there's something about my money mindset, it really means that there are thoughts and beliefs that you have about money that's not serving you. And my question for you is why are you choosing to hold on to that? Yes, it's a choice. You can leave it, right? You can drop it. Why are you choosing to hold on to it? And that's why it helps. Coaching can be very helpful because really help you walk through, you through the process of one, identifying those beliefs, transforming them so that you can really get your thoughts to create the results that you want to see. All right. And then how much is enough? I love this question because this is like that one of those, what is the essence of life <laughs> questions? And the reason why is, when people ask that question, how much is enough? It's a beautiful place to be in. And that's where, as a money coach and mindset coach, that's where I hope that every physician can be in. But you're in this place where you can have choice, right? Because the question is not what you're doing. The question is what thought is behind what you're doing. So if you don't want to earn more, there's nothing wrong with that. However, the beauty and the goal is for that to come from a place of abundance, 
what you tell yourself, I can do anything. I can make more if I choose to. I know that I can be anything. I can achieve whatever. But this moment, I'm choosing not to. That, my friends, is the power of choice. And that's what I hope that every single woman physician will have, right? Because we can earn more, right? But the bottom line is there is also a question of how much do you want to chase? How much do you want to chase? And I remind people that when you bring gratitude into your finances, that also creates magic, right? So when you bring gratitude, it forces you to be a little bit more present in where you are doing. It forces you to be present in where you are right now so that you're not just chasing the next shiny object, okay? So number one is it has to come from a place of abundance, not because you think you cannot, but because you choose it not to. Very different. One is liberating and one is restrictive. We want you to have enough from a place of abundance, from a place of choice. That's the goal. Scarcity mindset can make you overspend and over, uh, absolutely. I feel like I have plenty of money for what I want, but that others don't have money to use to pay that mindset doesn't work well when I'm building a business. Absolutely, right? Because the question is, do your people truly not have the money or are they choosing not to spend on that right now? And as a coach, I see that too, where people tell me they're living from paycheck to paycheck, but they're, don't have money to invest and the problem is that that's also scarcity right because when you feel like you don't have money to invest in yourself then it's hard for your money to grow that's their model for lack of a better that's their experience and the goal is to try and show them the possibilities but ultimately you have to believe that they will be ready whenever they're ready and when they are they'll come find you and that's the most important thing right any other questions what about partners who has different idea about money. So I love that question too, because part of what I do is relationship with yourself, with money and with your spouse, right? There's nothing wrong with being different. I mean, diversity is a spice of life. We love diversity, right? And you don't really wanna be the same as your spouse. You bring different things into the mix. But the important thing is communication, right? Communication, communication, communication. And that's why I love the idea of money dates. So, and I always tell my clients this because most times I get a female client, but the goal is to impact themselves and their relationship. And funny enough, the example of the client I gave you earlier, that's a family physician that said she learned to love herself. Um, she also was having some trouble with her relationship and exact the same question you asked right now. And what I told her is what I'm going to share with you, which is money dates. Money dates are great. And the reason why is because it's not just great for your money, it's great for your relationship. And what is a money date? This is the time that you are actually taking for yourself as a couple to talk about your goals, to talk about your dreams, to talk about what's important to them, what's important to you, so that you guys can find a common place to communicate from. You don't have to be the same. My husband and I are completely different when it comes to money. In fact, I did a video with him where he kind of like, <laughs> put all of our information out there about the challenges we had in terms of like coming together and finding a common ground as a real as a couple when it comes to our money so nothing wrong with being different but talking about money dates are important you can check out that video if you want feel free to send me a message um but there is hope it's doable and you guys it helps your relationship helps your money and i i cannot recommend it enough it's moneyfitmd.com slash webinar and uh, it's this Friday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And my hope for that entire goal, for that entire session, is to really just show our primary care docs and, and pediatricians, really, the framework that I use for solving almost every, and I say almost because I don't want to say every, but almost every money problem. And it works. I'm yet to find anyone that's failed. So. 
Thank you for joining us on another episode of Female Physician Entrepreneurs Podcast. If you like us, please give us a nice review and tell your family and friends about us. We'll see you on another episode.